This is The Guardian. Hello and welcome to The Guardian Football Weekly. Arsenal are back on top of the Premier League as we approach the final stages of the season and yet it's their opponents who are the big story. Could Frank Lampard lose every game of his tenure, get naught points? Surely you just get one by accident at some point. The Gunners' victory gives them the slightest hope of keeping up with Manchester City while the Blues are yet to reach 40 points. Obviously the next logical step in this ridiculous season is Big Sam turning up and being offered a reported £2.5 million for keeping Leeds up, which you could actually do without picking up a point. Good work if you can get it. While we're at the bottom, there's a brilliant 2-2 draw between Leicester and Everton to look back on, including some serious water bottle analysis. Then there's Lionel Messi's suspension for picking up a cheque from Saudi Arabia while on Qatar's time are the romance. Speaking of morals, Gianni Infantino on a high horse over the Women's World Cup. Excuse me while I'm sick in a bucket. All that plus your questions and perhaps Liam McClare's finest work. And that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. on the panel today. Robin Cowan, welcome. Good morning, Max. Hello, Nick Ames. Hello, Max. And hello, Barry Glendenning. Howdy. Uh, Right, let's start then with uh, Arsenal 3, Chelsea 1 at the Emirates. Nick, you were there and the story should be Arsenal because they are back on top of the league. So before we carry on the (laughs) never-ending Chelsea inquest, um, let's talk about Arsenal. They hadn't won in four. It was absolutely essential to win that, to have any kind of belief that they could still do this. Yeah, Mikel Arteta afterwards as good as said that he'd seen that game as win or bust for, for their title campaign. And I mean, it didn't take Einstein to, to see that from the start, did it? But yeah, Arsenal did what they had to do. They they came out with a slightly crisper, faster start than maybe they have in, in recent games, certainly home games. There weren't any of their sort of now characteristic cock-ups in the first 10 seconds from kickoff and stuff. They 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 pushed on from there, very crisp, very clean. Odegaard behind absolutely everything. Saka very lively, pulling people around on the right. A few changes to the team. Kibior came in, Jorginho came in, Trossard. It, it needed freshening up a bit, I think, after the previous four games. I think they needed a bit more control, especially in the centre of the park. But in that first sort of 35, 40 minutes, you, you wouldn't have known, known the difference. They were they were really fizzing it about. Odegaard, two lovely goals, especially the first, both from Granit Xhaka cutbacks, both with absolutely no pressure on the ball from Chelsea in the entire move leading up to it, which I, I think we can come up to the Chelsea, come on to the Chelsea evisceration fairly soon because there's plenty to go at for everyone. Two very good goals. Gabriel Jesus, who's had, had a little bit of stick recently for missing a few chances, then um, then jabbed one in after a bit more, a bit more shambolic defending. And at half time, it's done, isn't it? Arsenal then spent 15 minutes or so of the second half taking pot shots. Basically, it was like target practice for for a bit of a spell, wasn't it? And Kepa was keeping stuff out. A few things were flying wide, and then. And then they did ease off in line a bit with the subs. I think in line with a few of Chelsea's players realising that they had somehow, you know, landed on a football pitch that night and needed to, to start playing. And, I mean, Madweke gets one back and I think the mood around the Emirates is starting to think of those recent throwaways and, and the fact that they, you know, lost a couple of two-goal leads recently and obviously had that white-knuckle ride against Saints. But it, it never looked likely to 
to be much more than that. I mean, Mudrick came on for Chelsea, looked looked quite good actually, offered a lot more than Raheem Sterling did, but the points were never in doubt. So Arsenal came out and they'll see it quite rightly as a kind of reset, I guess, going into the final four games. Think of it as a sort of throat clearer. There were some some positives beyond the obvious. I thought Kivio, um, a left footer playing on the right of centre-back, was very good. I think he has probably done enough to move ahead of, again, the slightly unfairly maligned, but not quite up to it, Rob Holding in the defensive. Sounds like you're maligning him there, slightly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, 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 what's, what's the opposite of, sort of damning with faint praise? But um, yeah, I, I thought Kivy was passing from, from the back was quite crisp and meant and, and sort of helped the tempo. I thought he was pretty, um, pretty dominant in the air, not that he was up against much at all, while he was up, up against Pierre-Emerick. Um, Obama Yang or the the shadow of Pierre Emerick Obama Yang anyway, um, but yeah, that was a big positive for Arsenal, especially because they're lacking a bit of defensive depth at the moment. So yeah, from Arsenal's point of view, really good night, really clean performance for two thirds of a game anyway. Um, weren't up against much, but you have to be what's in front of you, and they did. Oh yeah, Manchester City played twice before Arsenal have another game. West Ham at home, and then Big Sam's Leeds. Uh, so West Ham's tonight, and then Big Sam's Leeds. On Saturday, just like saying Big Sam's Leeds. We'll get to that, of course. Uh, Xhaka's two assists, Barry, are as many as any Chelsea player has in the Premier League this season. So we can move on to Chelsea. Uh, Snodpiece says, who's the worst director of football, Victor Orter or James Corden? Andrew, should Chelsea get Big Sam in before Leeds do? And Dan says, if Spurs are season six of Seinfeld, what does that make Chelsea? I mean, it's, it's you know, Barca Jim sent that brilliant tweet. Did you see it yesterday, Barry? Saying, you know, Frank Lamp- uh, Chelsea's form under Frank Lampard, it was just a series of L's. He said, it looks like you're just trying to book a seat on train line. And it did. It was just like all these chairs there. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, I wouldn't expect them to get anything from this game. But there was, so- there was nothing. Yeah. Uh, I actually thought maybe they might get something out of this game. And then I watched the first half and wondered why I thought that. They were just so passive, lacking in aggression, poor in defence. A lot of players just don't seem interested. Frank Lampard said afterwards that they're they're too nice to play against, they're too passive. And and he said all the things we spoke about before the game we didn't do. So, you know, not my fault again. But the fact of the matter is in his last twenty games as a manager, he's won one, drawn two and lost seventeen. That is absolutely atrocious he's lost six out of six with Chelsea in a run of games in which they've scored two goals one of which was a bit of a fluke I don't think there are any positives to take out of last night's game apart from uh, Nani Muduweka scoring his first goal for the club I, I didn't know anything about him so I looked him up and I noticed he's a, a 21 year old kid and he's on a seven year contract uh, he's contracted the club till 2030, which is sort of not the only player at Chelsea on a big long contract like that. And it's kind of indicative of the shit show that's going on there. We continue to be extremely critical of Lampard. I think the criticism is justified. He's clearly out of his depth. He has uh, media chums, be it in print or on TV or the radio, who refuse to... to acknowledge that anything going on at Chelsea might be his fault and not everything is his fault but 
uh, he said, you know, there's no overnight fix for the problems we have. You, you've been there a month, Frank, and, and they've got worse instead of better. So, yeah, I, I, it doesn't really matter whether he stays in charge for the rest of the season or not, but he is doing his own reputation irreparable harm. Chelsea are laughing stock. Yeah, but it's difficult to see where they're going to pick up a point, really. Up to Joe. Frank says Frank Lampard has now lost each of his last 10 matches he's taken charge of across all competitions. The first English manager to lose 10 in a row while in charge of a top flight team since Arthur Cox in February 1988 with Derby. Um, Robin, so it feels like it might be like Brewster's Millions. Did Todd Bowley say, <laughs> lose all the games and you can have the club? <laughs> <laughs> I like the producers. <laughs> it's tanky. Yeah. 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 Do you think Todd Bowley was waiting for them as they went in at half time, maybe, to give the to give the team talk? I mean, it, it's yeah. I guess anyone else who's uh, apart from Chelsea fans it is it's very comical watching this, and it, it it just shows that actually, despite spending a lot of money, it needs to be spent properly and sensibly, and you know, not it was such a scattergun approach and. And yeah, for Frank Lampard, it's an interesting one because he probably it probably is quite easy for him in terms of his reputation to kind of, I don't know, swerve it a little bit and say, well, they were already a mess when I came in and it was worse than I thought. And, you know, I don't think anyone could have turned this around. I just I just think that's that's going to be the line, isn't it? And um, I expect he will probably get another job as Barry alluded to there, uh, the commentary yesterday, a lot of it, you know, they were, all of them were just saying, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. And and I, you know, they're right. It's not, his, it's not all his fault, but he's had zero impact whatsoever. None. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm pleased with Jonathan Wilson because he can now recycle the, um, the Frank Lampard out of possession <laughs> stuff. <laughs> like, like he had, you know, like his Ronaldo stuff for, for Manchester United. So yeah, pleased, pleased for him that he can kind of sit back do some copying, pasting, and uh, I'm sure we'll see that article again soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I completely agree with both Robin and Barry. And I think, you know, listening to Lampard after the game and also listening to him, I, I, I covered a similar shambles against Brentford last week. He's he's clearly quite exasperated at the hand that he's been dealt and clearly sort of wonders how he can get a tune out of this lot. Like, I, I think ahead of the Arsenal game, he was sort of, musing on how on earth he could use Joel Felix, you know, um, who's 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 really been seen recently. Um but you've you've got to look at some of the um, some of the calls he's been making too. I mean against Brentford he 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 went with a team of workers. He, he went with like Gallagher and Kante as kind of two two number tens against a team that is really hard to crack and it just ended up being you know, no creativity, slow side-to-side football, and you could have seen how that game was going to go from the start. Last night, he pitches Aubameyang in, and it was Aubameyang's first start, I think, since Chelsea played Arsenal at home back in November. Somebody might correct me, but I'm pretty sure um, that's the stat. And I, I mean, Aubameyang had, I think, something like seven touches, three of them were restarts. It was a manager clearly desperately rolling the dice and banking on emotion and thinking, OK, I've, 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 I've got this guy who's going to get a bit of stick from the crowd. He's got a point to prove against Arteta who bombed him. Um, maybe he's going to find an extra gear. And it was just never in a million years going to work. And, you know, Kai Havertz comes on at halftime. Now Havertz has had a few fitness issues, so I don't know how long he was good for, but um, had had infinitely more 
impact without doing too much. So you do have to look at how Lampard is using those resources. But I, I, I think overall, we talk about Chelsea, Todd Bowley. Um, I mean, Barney, um, Barney wrote a, a very good sidebar last night to a sort of sim similar effect. But it's, it's essential for football, isn't it, that this project fails? It's really, really essential. Like, if such a bloated and arrogant, egotistical, boom or bust spending project where you just think you can throw everything up in the air and disrupt and it'll all, all land in your favour. If that works, it's so bad for the game. So I think, you know, no personal issue with Chelsea or the club or the fans or anything like that because, you know, they'll be going through a, a not good time and we all know what that feels like. But I think this particular project that has been foisted upon them, it's so important that it doesn't work. Can I try and play devil's advocate for, for Frank Lampard? I suppose you've all said, look, it's not all his fault. Had anybody come in, I'm just trying to think, you know, people who've come in and done a decent job, like Roy's come in, but Palace needed something to survive, right? There was something on the line for those players, right? There's virtually, apart from the Real Madrid game, there is nothing on the line for these players. They are, they've got enough points to stay up, right? It'd be in, there's just no way, I think, don't quote me if they do, but, but they're not going to go down. They're not going to get into Europe. This guy's not going to be their manager. They are elite players, so they've got big egos, they obviously have professional pride, but like when you're playing against teams who are playing for something and it really matters, that isn't enough. And so maybe no one, maybe if anyone had gone in, they would be in the same position, Barry. Or is that they would have got a point somehow? On what evidence are you basing your assumption that they have professional pride? Um, because I think, I think footballers when they start a football match. They're in a football match and they think, I want to win this football match. They don't think, I don't care about this because suddenly someone's challenging you. You know, it's what you do. So I think I think there's a kind of muscle memory of wanting to win the game that you're playing in. Well, I mean, when that third goal went in and Wesley Fofana, Cesar Alspilicueta and Thiago Silva were all falling over each other like Keystone Cops. I don't see much professional pride there. But uh, OK, well, if we're working on the assumption that there is they do have professional pride and they're genuinely trying to win these games, then clearly the instruction they're being given is not uh, good enough because they're, <laughs> they're playing really badly and getting hammer is my argument bad there i think oh, so so i'm trying no i think i think you, there is a point there that this is possibly the hardest group to motivate i think that that's that's definitely a thing because as you said apart from the real madrid game there is nothing this season has been dead for pretty much half of it and so i i imagine that probably is tricky to to motivate a group of highly paid players and also that they don't really have any team spirit because they've been thrown together so there probably isn't that sort of fighting for each other a little bit so yeah I think there is a point there but you know as, as he's done before Lampard it's always they and them when when it's a loss and it's always us when they when they win I don't think he's known particularly for his motivational tact, uh, skills although having said that you know I guess he kind of got Everton out of trouble last season with sort of vibes and you know drawing the crowd from from Goodison so he did it then but um yeah it would take some sort of master motivator I imagine to get to get this sort of 
Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's, is Master Motivator the son of Mr. Motivator? Which <laughs> I would, do you know better, what? I, I couldn't, have, couldn't have done any worse. <laughs> no, you couldn't have done. No, you do say, you know, it's, it's them when they lose and us when they win. Although we don't know that. Maybe Chelsea will win and he'll say, oh, it's them. We, we actually just have no idea, do we, Nick? The, the, um, the cruelest moment last night, which I forgot to mention, was there was a point later on where Chelsea's fans kind of accepting defeat sort of just started singing Super Frankie Lampard. And then the whole of the Emirates joined in. And it was just a cauldron of Super Frankie Lampard. And he, and, he, and he stood there by himself in, in the dugout. And I mean, you know, we're all human beings, aren't we? Um, but it was it was a bit chadgy comic. All right, that'll do for part one. Uh, part two, uh, before we get to Big Sam, we'll talk about uh, Leicester's draw with Everton. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. So Leicester 2, Everton 2 on Monday night means Leicester are 16th, 30 points. Uh, Everton still 19th, 29 points. Uh, so it is very tight between Leicester, Leeds, Forest and Everton. Uh, Leeds and Forest in between those two sides. This game, Robin, I thought was absolutely brilliant. Like you, you, We're talking about Chelsea not being that motivated, right? Or players downing tools when they're going against tough. At the end of this game, every single player basically collapsed. They were shattered. They were emptied of everything, weren't they? I thought it was great entertainment. Oh, it was. I guess, yeah, again, like, if you're not a fan of either of these, it was it was absolutely brilliant because the, these are two two teams absolutely fighting for everything. Um, yeah, and it was, I guess, because, you know, they haven't had great seasons. There are a lot of, lot of weaknesses in both of them, so it just made for a really, really entertaining game. Um, but I did, it did just occur to me that, Leicester in particular just shouldn't be in this position. When you look at their team, their squad, it's just how they've got here. You know, they've got, you know, Harvey Barnes, Tielemans, Madison, Dewsbury Hall, and then, well, like Vardy's having a bit of a renaissance. And just think, God, how how how's it come to this? It's really, um, I just I just don't get it. When you look at Everton and it's a bit, their, their squad's a little bit unbalanced and you kind of get it and they were struggling last season. That That's just what occurred to me, that it's... It, I don't really understand how this has happened to, to Leicester. Both keepers were excellent, I thought, Barry. Daniel Everson, who who's actually been at Leicester since 2018, and and Jordan Pickford. A lot of being a lot is made of has been made of Jordan Pickford's water bottle in the reviews of this game and the analysis he had to save Madison's penalty. Have you seen this or has it passed you by? I'm looking at your face as if I I'm aware that um uh, Jamie O'Hara on Talksport, I think thought it was very unfair that Pickford had notes attached to his water bottle, you know, cheat notes, basically, about um, Leicester's penalty takers. I don't think this is uncommon among goalkeepers. I wouldn't have any problem with it whatsoever. <laughs> what does he think is an exam, like an A-level, <laughs> you're not allowed to bring in? Yeah. You, know, you, sh- you should be forced to remember. If you can't remember, <laughs> then tough. You know, if you can't remember to... Stand still. <laughs> don't don't move. <laughs> yeah, uh, great game uh, for neutral. Really exciting. I think a draw was probably fair, but I think Everton got away with it a bit because they had that astonishing miss from Dominic Calvert-Lewin and then Leicester broke up field and Jamie Vardy hit the bar and then the, the penalty miss and he suspected Faraday had taken the penalty and scored it or if Madison had scored it that might have put the game beyond Everton but they probably deserved the 
to draw in the end. I worry for them going forward again because looks like Seamus Coleman's out for the rest of the season, which could herald the return of Ben Godfrey to right back. And I note with interest their next two games are against Brighton, Hello, Cairo Matoma and Man City. So, uh, yeah, I could. Ben Godfrey's had a couple of roastings this month playing at right back for Everton, and I think he could have a couple more coming down the pipe if, uh, if as I suspect, Coleman season is over. Just on the, on the water bottle thing, it's it's nothing new, is it? Like Pickford, Pickford especially has 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 previous for this. He, I'm pretty sure he did it when England won the shootout of the World Cup against Colombia. And he definitely did it in the Euros final in 2020. So I, 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 so I think when, when uh, you know, some colleagues or fans are uh, sort of going off about it, there's a bit of goldfish memory going on. But I, I, I did like the colourful notes on, on the bottle, though. Like, you know... It's, I was going to say, they're, they're really, they were really detailed and they had, like, yeah. it was 60%. It's, I think it said 60% Madison down the middle. So it was like, OK, he needs to wear it up in his head. It was really detailed. I mean, I think, are we going to see, you know, at some point, someone wheel on a kind of chalkboard or, like, a sort of... One of those white, you know, okay, we need to need to go through this. No, no, no. Better is like if if you know some goalkeeper has a like I don't know a yard glass or a deca- just something really long, so they can have all sorts of tactical notes. Like everyone, the, like, the biggest water bottle you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, so it can only fit three penalty takers. Which Madison, you know, there's sixty percent in the middle, twenty percent either side. Vardy twenty percent down the middle, thirty percent to the left, fifty percent he puts to the keepers to, to his right. And then Yuri Tielemans, who I think, if I'm looking at this correctly, has only taken one penalty. And it says 100% that way. So I'm not sure how helpful that, you know, that is not a big enough sample size. You know, if Jordan Pickford say, listen, I, I mean, I, I appreciate the stats guys giving me this, but one is not, that's not enough. It does lift Leicester out of the relegation zone. So the remaining games, Everton have Brighton away, City at home, Wolves away, Bournemouth at home. Leicester have Fulham away, Liverpool at home, Newcastle away, West Ham at home. Who would you rather be, Barry? I would rather be Leicester. Um, I think, well, I, I can't see Everton getting anything against Brighton and Man City. Wolves maybe. Bournemouth's last game of the season could well not be trying too hard. Uh, and then Leicester... Fulham is winnable. Liverpool probably not. Newcastle probably not. West Ham is winnable. So uh, I could see them getting four or six points from those four games. Uh, important to say for Everton, we've, we've touched on it before. Like of all the teams that could go down, it, it will probably be the most financially ruinous for them in twenty one twenty two. Most recent accounts available, they had losses of forty four. 0.7 million fifth successive season a loss was returned Premier League's referred Everton to an independent commission for an alleged breach of profit and sustainability should the club be relegated it will require additional financial support from its majority shareholder they said in the report these matters indicate that a material uncertainty exists that may cast significant doubt over the group's ability to continue has a going concern so I mean obviously relegation is bad you are you are preset to know that it is bad as a football fan but it could have real implications for Everton. Uh, Leeds are also in that mix. Uh, James says, is this the closest title race ever for worst run Premier League club? I thought it was Chelsea's to lose from Spurs, but Sam Allardyce, what a time to be alive. Um, uh, From this morning, 
Fabrizio Romano prefers transfers to actual football. Says Leeds United are set to announce the appointment of Sam Allardyce after agreement yesterday. It's done and set to be sealed. Javi Gracia's short reign there. He's going to be fired along with um, Victor Orta, the director of football. The absolute best bit of this is that Big Sam can't take Sammy Lee with him because Sammy Lee is on jury service. The idea of Sammy Lee being in a tracksuit with SL, crouched behind next to the foreman, (laughs) uh, just applauding all the trial as it's happening. It's just too much. My brain just exploded when I thought of... Imagine turning around and seeing Sammy Lee in the jury. I'm on trial for murder here. What's Sammy Sammy Lee doing? He's going to give another juror an iPad and say, look, this is... You need to go there and do that. Anyway, um, this is Nick. I mean, it might be a masterstroke. It might not. Big Sam could get two and a half million pounds if he keeps leads up, which he could do losing all the games. It's amazing. I mean, everyone's a caretaker boss now, aren't they? It's it's like that episode of Peep Show where they're all getting each other sectioned. Like, you're you're a caretaker boss. You're a caretaker (laughs) boss. And and, 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 and in the end, um, Big Sam is kind of the the end of level caretaker boss boss, isn't he? Like, this is about as ultimate caretaker as it gets. I mean... I mean, I mean, look, it's 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 almost hard to know where to go with it. I mean, he's he's got how many games? Four or five to four, I think, to to um to turn it. Leeds Leeds have been built to a plan, certainly under under Orta, um, who's who, as you say, has now left um, to play this lovely, slick, attacking football. He brought in Bielsa, that worked out very well for a few years, you know. Jesse Marsh up and down, but um, similar style. Um, Gracia then, and now you've got Big Sam, who you just presume he's in there as just some kind of dominant Mr. Motivator in the dressing room, because you can't imagine him putting them through all of the drills that have got them this far. Although that's probably the point that what he's working for, um, that what has got them. This part is no longer working for them, but no, it's 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 almost severely astonishing. But to see like, you know, a club like Leeds that has been building, 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 resorting to this, it it, it tells you the fear of relegation that these clubs have, and how terrified they are of it, and how worried clearly they are about the implications of going down. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a highly ent- entertaining few weeks. I think his first game is against Pep Guardiola, isn't it, at the Etihad? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm sure there'll be some out-tacticking going on. Um, as, I, as he likes to say, I don't think this is going to help Leeds one bit in the long run. I, I'm not quite sure what impact Sam can have, and I'm not quite sure that he can mould these players into your sort of tight, cohesive, battling, get it, get it in the mix kind of group. Andrew says, how many pints of gravy should I drink if Big Sam saved Leeds from being relegated? Dylan says, first manager to call a team embarrassing on their podcast and take the job five days later. Yes, uh, <laughs> on, the, on, on the no tippy-tappy football with Sam Allardyce, which is a brilliant name. Um, <laughs> he described them as embarrassing. Uh, Barry, your thoughts? Well, I, it's a heroic last throw of the dice because Leeds have gone from Marcella Bielsa to Big Sam, to Jesse Marsh to Javi Grazia to Big Sam in little over a year. It's like going from, like, I don't know, Dom Perignon Champagne to Brute Cava to Tesco Sparkling Wine 
to white lightning cider in a little <laughs> over a year, you know, on a bench. <laughs> you, you've been sw- swilling Dom Perignon in, in one of London's trendy eateries, and now you're you're on a bench in Clapham Common, sopping out of a flag in a white lightning. Uh, you bought with change you found down the back of the sofa. Might work, might not, uh, but it's certainly interesting. The thing is, it's appointing Sam Allardyce. It's like symbolic of a club in yeah, in like this is the. I mean, you say the last throw of the dice. There's no dice anymore. <laughs> it's just this is it. I mean, it's just because it, it became a joke, didn't it? Give it Allardyce to the end of the season. They're actually doing it, and as you say, it might work. It might do what. Maybe they'll turn up at the Etihad and. You know, they'll park the Big Sam bus and they'll get a point and everyone will go, what a stroke of genius. That could happen. It probably won't, but it could happen. I mean, if they get a result at the Etihad, it would be absolutely the funniest <laughs> thing ever. It, it would be brilliant. It, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be incredible. And, and God, I just loved his post-match interview. It would just be... Well, if I was called Alan Dietschy, blah, 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 he's going to roll that out again. The thing is, like, I've worked with Sam quite a lot and he's great. Like, he's like, like just on a sort of personal level, really great company and like funny. I mean, none of these things will necessarily mean he'll do anything, but I would be utterly delighted. Like, it just sort of makes a total mockery. It goes there, yeah. Not, not just gets a point, parks the bus and gets a. <laughs> Just a dodgy goal on the counter, and then just says, "There you go. That's what you do with Pep. See you later." You know, Harlan gets Harlan gets no change out of you know Liam Cooper ever standing there at the back, and suddenly, and oh, it would be absolute. I don't think anyone would be sad. Everyone would be just utterly delighted that that would happen. Would it be again like Nick's point about? the project at Chelsea having to fail. Would this be like, what are we doing? <laughs> this is, is this football now? If this works, it's is this... unanalyzable. I mean, you can't could, do it. You can't, there's, yeah, nothing, that's there's no I mean. point in any of us talking about it. Like, there's nothing we can do anyway. No. <laughs> you know, Ilham Mesne has been getting a bit of stick in the last few weeks. I fully expect Sam to bring in Jussie Jaskalainen on a free between now and Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> he, he'll perform heroics to keep out... Julian Alvarez and Erling Haaland. We could get JJ Acocha on set pieces, surely. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You know, and, and like doing these gags without mentioning Kevin Nolan is a real oversight on both of you. Uh, so look, uh, Carl Robinson is in the Sammy Lee role, uh, former Oxford manager, um, you know, who sort of took them to the brink of relegation. <laughs> He's nice, desperate. Nice He's fella. desperate to get that relegation on his CV, <laughs> he clearly. Wants to get it somewhere this season. <laughs> Um, uh, before all this happened, the lead squad uh, apologised to those people that they walked past, those kids, and you know just looked at their phones and listened to their music. You should have time for your fans, I guess. I mean, I, I, it's not the biggest crime in the history of the world. They might have been very tired, um, but anyway. That was before the game, though, so be slightly worried if they were tired. They were on their way, I think. So the the ah. yeah the. the you know, I think Chris Sutton was just saying, playing devil's advocate, that they might have been in the zone. You know, and they do that. They do that. They're more likely to do that after the game, maybe. But um, yeah, not great. I think that is slightly fair. That is slightly yeah, fair, maybe, isn't it? Like before the game, do that, and then after the game, you know, hang out with them all night, like Barry loves doing after a live show <laughs> uh, with, with the people. Oh, although he does do it, doesn't he? So you know, <laughs> there you go. Why are you looking at me like that, Barry? <laughs> 
Well, you're hanging me here, aren't you? <laughs> Do not approach. I, I'm aware of my responsibilities and I... Uh, you carry them out. Yeah, I'd love to see you just carry them walk out, yeah. out of a live show with massive headphones <laughs> Just on, ignore it. Staring at yeah. your phone. <laughs> Leeds have to go to City, then home to Newcastle, away to West Ham, home to Spurs. So, you know, God only knows. Uh, that'll do for part two. Part three, uh, we'll begin with the Women's Champions League. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, so on Monday, Arsenal followed Chelsea out of the Champions League at the semi-final stage. They lost to Wolfsburg 3-2 and a last minute of extra time. Heartbreak, uh, Robin. It, look, the Emirates were sold out. That is great. Women's Football Weekly, by the way, was out yesterday if you want to listen to a really detailed review of all of this. Um, so like, there are positives in terms of the number of people that went. Biggest crowd in the UK, I think, ever for a women's football match. Is that right? But that last... Ah, that last minute mistake. It was just, you know, it wasn't quite Lucas Mora, but just get rid there. Yeah, no, it, it, it really particularly heartbreaking that it was Lotta Wubben Moy, who had a brilliant game. Um, and I think it was just tiredness because they, they are down to the bare bones. The fact they've got this far and they pushed Wolfsburg all the way when, you know, we shouldn't forget Miedemar, Mead, Kim Little, Leah Williamson, Caitlin Ford. And then also Laura Wienreuter, who it looks like she's got quite a serious injury. She came on and had to come off again. It's just, I mean, it's ridiculous, the injuries they've had. And it probably should be a bit of an inquest into what's happened there at Arsenal. But the fact they've managed to to get that far. And I wasn't there, unfortunately, but just, you know, reading the accounts in particular, you know, our friend Tim Stillman was saying that, you know, we I've been to women's football matches where there's a big crowd, but sometimes it doesn't really feel like it because, you know, they just mm-hmm. don't make an awful lot of noise. But he said, this felt like 60,000. Um, they've done a fantastic job, Arsenal. I don't know how they've done it, but the way they've marketed this, they're surging ahead, getting, you know, selling out the Emirates is just, it's unthinkable. But yeah, I mean, and also just the whole day, I don't know if you saw Leah Williamson pulling pints before the game at the local Arsenal uh, supporters pub. So she was there giving out uh, free drinks. And uh, I mean, also, uh, I don't know if you saw when Jen Beatty equalised. She absolutely ran over Alex Pop with a massive smile on her face. After she nodded yeah. in. That was the moment of the <laughs> night. It was absolutely fantastic. Two absolute units, but she... She's just like, yeah, no, I'm celebrating this. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that was brilliant. But, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of on the pitch, really disappointing, um, but they can be so proud. The thing is, they may not be in the Champions League next season. They're currently fourth. Um, they've got games in hand, but they've just got so few players. Um, so it's going to be really tough for them, I think, to get in to the top three, which will seal Champions League next season, which will be a massive shame because they've got this momentum in terms of European crowds in particular. In terms of Chelsea as well, I mean, obviously we know Barcelona are really good. Like, there is no shame in going out by one goal to, to Barcelona, is there? But also, you know, the 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 league isn't looking like, as you just imagine Chelsea would just run away with it and win everything and that may not be the case. Possibly not. It's it's interesting. So I'm, I'm at their game tonight at... Um, uh, against Liverpool, they've got three games in hand over Manchester United. So if they win all of them, they'll they'll win the league. So it's all about this is going to be really interesting to see, you know, their how they can respond. And I expect them to. If I'm if I'm honest, I think they will win the league because that's just they just it's, you mentioned muscle memory. They just know how to do it. And even though they've got quite a lot of injury issues, the latest. Uh, 
England player to be ruled out of the World Cup, Frank Kirby, confirmed yesterday. It's, again, that's looking a bit bleak as well. So so that list is her, Williamson. Williamson, Millie Mead, Bright's got a, got a question mark over her. And then if you just look at the starting 11 that Serena Wiegmann started every single game with at the Euros, Ellen White's retired. No Beth Mead. So yeah, no Frank Kirby, no Leah Williamson. Um, and yeah, you know, Rachel Daly was playing at left back, but she's been playing as a striker. So, it, you know, maybe she'll have to go back to left back now and maybe no Millie Bright. So it's going to be really different um, no matter what happens, um, whoever lines up in that first game for England, at least. Uh, while we're on the, the World Cup, um, uh, Europe's top football nations face a broadcast blackout for this year's World Cup unless the media can improve on their, quote, disappointing offers for the rights. According to Gianni Infantino, he said uh, offers from the big five European countries were not acceptable to football's world governing body, a slap in the face of the players and all women worldwide. Um, the big five nations are Britain, Spain, Italy, Germany and France. Uh, Susie Rack's written an excellent piece on this. Saying, look, in terms of broadcast rights, the long time bundling together of the rights and commercial rights for men and women's World Cup up to and including 2019 has meant FIFA has engineered a culture which has attributed no value to women's football. FIFA and Infantino are panicking because if broadcasters and commercial partners don't flood money in, they'll have to dip into their hefty coffers to meet the commitment to equal prize money. That was not a commitment made out of goodness of their hearts for equality and fairness and good of the game. It was a result of protest and pressure has been timed so that the new money coming into the game comes into their orbit. If FIFA and Infantino really care about women's football and investment in the World Cup and the integrity of their flagship tournament, they should do more to address the calendar issues that have resulted in a club v country row over the release of players for the tournament amid concerns for their health and invest heavily in research around the crisis in anterior cruciate ligament injuries that has robbed the tournament of some of the world's best players. Um... I think Susie has said it incredibly well. And Infantino moralising on anything is just... Especially women. I mean, like, he was he was trying to force visit Saudi, wasn't he, mm, on the, correct. Uh, as a sponsor? And now suddenly he cares about... Yeah. yeah. I, I, if I speak, I'll get in trouble. <laughs> I cannot speak. Yeah. <laughs> cannot speak. Yeah. Um, today I feel for women, but perhaps I didn't for the last <laughs> however many days. Um, Aaron says, has any of the panel ever gone on holiday without the permission of their employer? Uh, Lionel Messi has been suspended by PSG for two weeks after travelling to Saudi Arabia this week without the club's permission. Uh, the trip followed PSG's home defeat by Lorient on Sunday. Um, uh, means Messi will not train or play for 14 days. It's understood he asked permission to make the journey to carry out commercial work, but was refused. He's obviously paid by Qatar because he plays for PSG. He's also a tourism ambassador for Saudi Arabia. So he likes money. As Lars tweeted, if you ever find yourself getting suspended from a Qatari vanity project because you bunked off work to go on a Saudi vanity project, maybe it's time to ask yourself, is it possible that I have enough money and there is no real need for my life to be like this? Um, I couldn't have said it better myself. I don't expect Leo will be too bothered. He's won his World Cup. His contract with PSG ends at the end of the season. It's not going to be renewed. And he doesn't care. But yeah, there's it, a lot of shilling going on in his part. Much of it quite distasteful. Hmm. Well, just hopefully he's saved enough for a rainy day. Because you never know. <laughs> right? Um, I hope everything's okay with him. We may not start a crowdfunder for you just yet. Alison says, can you let Nick take the floor, tell everyone about the achievements of the side with the best form in world football right now? Seems only fair. He's waited long enough like the rest of us Ipswich fans. Yeah, the only things you request to go into this script are on-the-ground journalism in Ukraine and Qatar and important things and Ipswich's form this season. 
you beat Exeter 6-0, confirmed promotion. Tell us all about it. We've got about 25 minutes for this, haven't we? Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm a goodness. Well, it's, it, it's Wednesday morning. I think I'm still recovering from Saturday and Sunday. But um, yeah, um, I'll do the football importance such as it is first. And then I'll move on to something a bit more identifiable to people, maybe. Um, Ipswich have been on absolutely astonishing form. It's, it, um, it's, um, it is the best form of, of any team in a significant league in Europe, I think. Finished the season 18 games unbeaten, scored 50, conceded 5, 13 wins from the last 14, scored 43, conceded 2. It, it has been absolutely astonishing football. They've just smothered everyone in League One they've um, come up across. Their level of performance for the entire season was very, very high under Kieran McKenna, but there was a bit of a spell in the winter when they were drawing a few too many games, letting a few soft goals in strengthened in January and since since mid-February it was like they pressed cheap mode or something like no one's been able to keep up if the league started in February and carried on now I think they'd win it by by 20 points um, as it is the title winners will probably be a, a very good Plymouth Argyle team who we should definitely hail on this pod because what what Plymouth have done on minimal resources is is incredible but uh, yeah Kieran McKenna has done an amazing job at Ipswich I'm pretty sure that in the next two or three years we'll hear quite a lot more about him on this pod and that's not only if I get repeat bookings um he's he's a, a massive massive managerial talent 36 he's transformed a team that um that was a bit aimless and going nowhere um the football is dominant at the back of the front it's clean it's cohesive it's flexible it's miles ahead of, of what league one football is and, and and i think they've got a very good chance because the club is very well backed and cannily backed of of maybe challenging in in the second tier but but what made saturday special was um was what it did for the community really and and i think everyone who who, um, who follows um a, a club can appreciate this and i mean from the outside this is any old promotion from from league one especially of a club that maybe shouldn't shouldn't um, be in league one but you know i was um i was born in ipswich i've had a i've kept a season ticket there since 1992 had a had a family home there until last year um and for 23 years Ipswich who had previously been a fairly successful club in, in the top two divisions just have nothing nothing at all to celebrate no promotions no, nothing much to get behind it had been very very bleak the community for a long time was really down on the club but on Saturday the whole place was just a light I mean there's been footage on Twitter that it's worth um, worth looking up of when the team was arriving at Portman Road, the team bus, the streets around the stadium were packed. There's probably five or 6,000 people, flares, the bus could barely get through them. The players and staff and management all saying afterwards they'd never seen this in their careers. It was like something you'd get before a Liverpool Champions League semi-final or before an Istanbul derby or, or something like that. It was really out of keeping with what you might expect in Suffolk. And um, I mean, the whole day for me was like seeing a who's who of people from my from the first 20, 25 years of my life. Everyone had just wheeled themselves out, whether they had a ticket for the game or not. They were in the pub just for the celebrations, uh, much of which are a bit of a blur now. You know, I've, I met people who've flown in from New York, especially for the game, and we're flying back the next day, things like that. And and it's it's so important football for this, isn't it? To to give people days like that, and I. I'd probably 
given up on experiencing something like that in Ipswich, um, to be honest. Um, again, I think this surpassed even the glory years of around 2000 when we got promoted to, um, to the Premier League and that kind of thing. It was a very special day seeing everyone coming together like that in a community that is very important to um, to me. And I'm I'm just so proud of everyone that it happened because for looks on people's faces, I've 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 been lucky to you know cover a lot of football um, around the world um, and some good stories. But even stepping back um, from the proximity bias that I do have, just for the looks and the joy on people's faces and the coming together of everyone, it was it was up there with anything I've experienced. And obviously emotionally, it meant much more. So yeah, cracking day and and a day that was everything football should be and it ticked every single box and i'll say it again I, I i didn't think i was going to get to experience that again so i'm very happy that i did and i'm most of all very happy that everyone else in and around Ipswich did the end yeah well robin and i both uh, uh experienced relegation dogfight from league one so we obviously don't care no. <laughs> about your lovely day uh oxford just about survived robin you're all right cambridge we've got to beat burton tonight <laughs> and then it's in our hands and then we've got to beat mk dons and if it's us or mk dons i suspect apart from mk dons fans most people will want us to survive the drop um andy says catching up with monday's pod barry's big finger of blame would have been useful in preventing the Munich incident. Yes, thank you, Andy. Appreciate that. <laughs> and we will finish today's pod on some wonderful work from Liam McClare, uh, who does musical loops for us uh, as and when. You may remember last Thursday, it was late. It was after the Spurs-Manchester United game. We uh, finished the pod by talking about Bear Grylls the musical or Ray Mears the musical I forget which one it anyway, was both wasn't it <laughs> it was both yes and it finished with them both on a meeting on a raft on their respective islands they're singing songs man the finale is um, uh, I'm Bear Grylls and I'm drinking Ray Mears piss and uh, Liam McClare has put it to music and it's a wonderful moment and we will leave with that uh, in the meantime Barry thank you thank you Max thank you Robin thanks Max thank you Nick congratulations Thank you very much, Max. Okay, so very much hoping we get uh, uh, Liam, perhaps with Philippe O'Claire, perhaps Bear and Ray will join us for our live tour, which uh, is coming soon and will be announced soon. And we'll be singing this live. Here is Liam McClare with I'm Bear Grylls and I'm drinking Ray Mears piss. Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. <laughs> executive producer is Danielle Stevens. I never thought that it would come to this. I'm Bear Grylls and I'm drinking Grimey's piss. <laughs> I went through a lot when I was in the SAS, but nothing compares to drinking Grimey's piss. <laughs> I thought there would be some other hydration options, maybe a stream. Or juice from poo on the ground But it looks like it's just me and Ray And he did say he's got enough to go round So looks like I'm drinking Ray Mears piss I'm bad girls, 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 I'm drinking Ray Mears piss 
I'm bag real drunk drinking Ragnar's piss. 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 This is The Guardian.